It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I love 40s. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 635, I think that's what it is, of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, January 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, where we have team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got all 32 NFL teams covered, obviously just eight of those teams left. If your team is alive, make sure you're checking out the corresponding Locked On show to get ready for the next weekend of playoff action. And, uh, yeah, lots of great stuff on the network. So if you find a show that you want to support, please subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. It's very much appreciated. And odds are that if you like a team in sports, we have a Lockdown show covering it every day with a local perspective. So get on that. Uh, all right, on today's show, the Toronto Raptors just lost a 101-99 decision to the Portland Trailblazers at home in their first home game of the 2020 calendar year. And joining me to talk about it is uh, John Godis. John, what's up, buddy? Uh, not too much. How about you? I'm good, man. I've uh, I've been enjoying your food Instagrams lately. They've been very good, uh, as is typically the case with you. The best food Instagram that I follow. <laughs> oh, you must not follow that many. No, so. I don't really. Uh, but I'll but... Take it as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I no. do. <laughs> yeah, I don't follow a ton. I'm on but... the back end of my twenties, so yeah. This is this is what I am now. I uh, mm-hmm. I'm a sparing writer more of a chef than an actual basketball observer and my tweets are getting way more old manish every 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 game i frankly appreciate old manish tweets and uh hope you just continue this evolution because boy do i like looking at your pictures of like pork chops in the pan with grapes and a whole bunch of other stuff those look delicious so uh, we yeah, don't need, yeah. yeah, I figured that might as well just be true to who I am. 
Yeah. So we don't have to keep talking about John's Instagram. Just go follow John on Instagram if you want to see his food. It's great. Uh, the Raptors just lost 101-99, as I mentioned, to the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Carmelo Anthony with a game-winning bucket with like three and a half seconds left on the clock after a very haphazard close to the game for the Raptors, despite 45 or so minutes of inspiring as hell basketball in which O'Shea Brissett had 12 points and uh, Chris Boucher had a 10-0 run personally at one point in the game. It was uh, a lot of fun until that last few minutes. So, I, I don't know. We should probably start, I guess, with the conclusion of this game before we get into some of the nice stuff that happened before everything went to shit later, later on. Um, but so for you, John, I guess there's some angry people right now, you know, quote unquote, dick fingers people. Uh, you know, who were mad about the decisions late in the game. Patrick McCaw had a really bad turnover where he tried to throw a bounce pass to Kyle Lowry with, like, five people around him on the uh, left sideline that just had no chance. That set up the Carmelo Anthony uh, mid-range jumper for the win. There was a bad call or no call on a Hassan Whiteside moving screen that set up Dame Millard's tying three to make it 99-99. Not a great execution down the stretch for the Raptors. You know, a weird sort of drawn-up drive into Whiteside for Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. The lineup did not really re- reflect the guys who had been playing best in the game to close the game. Uh, what were your takeaways from how this game came to its not-so-awesome conclusion? Well, I think that the overarching theme of this game for me was that the Raptors were just out-hustling the Blazers for about... I, for like up until the last five minutes of the game, really, and that's kind of how they're going to have to win games, just being down so many guys at this point. And uh, I thought they let up just a little bit. Maybe the lineups weren't so great towards the end that the Blazers just kind of got back into it. You know, Carmelo had a massive game, and uh, I think something people will be talking about coming out of this game, the 10-for-17 night should not be overlooked. His best game since he has come back into the league, probably. Uh, tonight, and I think that that was really what got Portland back in, just having uh, the high water of talent to overcome the Raptors. Because I, it was, it's hard for the Raptors to win games when it's just Kyle Lowry as the only skill scorer on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of games, when it's close like that, like they almost have to win going away when they don't have Van Vliet or literally anybody else who can create their own shot. Um, that you can trust with the ball in a last-second scenario. So you could kind of see it coming towards the end of the game, and that's, I think, what was a little bit frustrating for me is that they couldn't just hold on to that lead towards the end. Um, but, yeah, at the at the other side of that is that you have to get Kyle Lowry some rest at some point, and they sat him for five minutes to start the fourth quarter uh, when the Blazers went on a bit of a run. Uh, the Raptors bounced back with a couple Boucher plays there, but uh, ultimately it did get Portland back into the game. Um, but I think you have to live with that. I mean, you can't play Kyle Lowry 42 minutes a night while all these guys are out, and I think that you have to live with the results of him playing under 40. I'm happier that he played under 40 and that they lost this game than, you know, the, the having him play too much while everyone else is injured. Yeah, it was kind of a miracle, I think, that he was able to play only 38 minutes in this game uh, without Fred Van Vliet. I just assumed he was going to play another 43 or more like he did against the Nets over the weekend, and that was with Fred. Uh, So nice to see it scaled back a little bit here, and we'll get to the bench unit later on that made that possible, uh, especially in the first half where they picked up some extra minutes that maybe they otherwise wouldn't normally get with Lowry on the bench. Um, But yeah, the the late game stuff, look, 
I've seen the argument out there a lot that the Raptors should have been going offense-defense to close the game, and that Patrick McCaw should have been out there. And, like, yeah, I would have preferred Patrick McCaw not be out there. Just assume always that I would prefer Patrick McCaw not be out there. Uh, I made a comment during the game about how the Raptors are exclusively good players and then also Stanley Johnson. You might be able to throw Patrick McCaw into that not-so-good pile as well, or just in terms of the enjoyment of watching him. I have none of that, and I don't get good feelings from him watching or being on the floor and watching him. But, like, when you're down as many guys as they are, I mean, they've panned it a few times to the bench and all of the very good players who are sitting there in street clothes. Like, there's only so much you can do. And, you know, people were saying, oh, Terrence Davis should have been in there. Like, Terrence Davis was erratic as hell in this game and had an awful night. And Stanley Johnson was one of seven, despite people saying for some reason that he was good. Uh, Like, no one really warranted that, like, extra spot in the backcourt or on the perimeter late in that game outside of maybe Matt Thomas, but, and maybe that should have been the call on offense late, but I I think I understand Nurse's reasoning for going with McCaw, I suppose. In theory, he's not a guy who's going to throw irresponsible passes. He's normally a guy who takes pretty good care of the ball, and that was a sort of uncharacteristic play from him uh, in the last minute there where he threw it away on that really stupid and ill-informed pass. So I think you just take the mistake and you live with it and you like the offense defense only works if you have guys who are good at offense but not good at defense like all of the players in the team are good at defense and only one of them right now is good at offense and so I don't know what you're really looking for with offense defense subs Um, you know unless you're going with just like the guys who were playing well in like Chris Boucher and O'Shea Brissett but that doesn't address the problem that McCaw presented being out there so I don't have an issue with that. Um, I, I, I don't know. What else happened in this game? There was the Rondé weird drive that they drew up with like 30 seconds or so left. I think there was 36 seconds and they were trying to do a two for one. And it seemed like Rondé, I don't even know if it was drawn up. It just seemed like Rondé decided, all right, I'm going to drive on Whiteside now. And, you know, maybe he was empowered by the fact that Serge Ibaka had just pump faked Whiteside out of his shoes like a minute earlier. But it didn't work out very well. I think he got blocked, and there was a bit of a scramble. The Raptors got it back, which led to the turnover the next time the the Raptors had possession. But, uh, I don't know, did you have any issues with the late game execution? I mean, for me, it just felt like missing shots. Like, Kyle missed a few shots late in this game. He finished 7 of 23 after starting out pretty hot. He kind of got cold late. And for me, that's more of the reason they lost this game than any of the sort of nitty-gritty, you know, things that you could point out as like individual plays that went wrong in the final minute or so but what do you think yeah i mean aesthetically this was a fun game to watch from a raptors perspective but it wasn't a good offensive game you know like they only shot 36 percent. they had 17 offensive rebounds and like i said earlier i think that this was just a game where they were going to win by out hustling the blazers who looked lethargic as hell and i'm sure we'll talk about Whiteside a little bit more because <laughs> I, I i just get fixated on him watching him try, play basketball and just jog around the court but that's an aside i think that just offensively you know the options were pretty thin i thought that they made the right call trying to go at Whiteside. i'm not sure why they chose hollis jefferson to do that or whether that was just a freelance play like you said but uh I think that they were just getting baskets off Whiteside, mostly from hustle, mostly from getting him up in the air, uh, but just beating him to the spot. And when you drive right into his chest, that's really what he's best at. And he, when he he sits so far back in ice defense that driving into his chest is really what he wants you to do. So 
that if that was a play call, it wasn't a great play call. If that was the decision, it's not great. But again, uh, you can say it again. I mean, the Blazers aren't really going to be all that worried about anybody on the floor except for Kyle Lowry when it comes to creating offense. So there's really no distractions out there. So I'm not sure what the better option would be in that scenario. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, it's tough. And I think late in the game, too, like the last minute or so, it wasn't the only part of the game where the Raptors struggled offensively. Pretty much the entire fourth quarter, once Kyle subbed in, there wasn't really anything to be gained for Toronto just because, like you said, they were only selling out to stop Larry. They were sending two to the ball. And the only offense they could really conjure up was an out-of-body experience by Chris Boucher for a minute and a half. And then O'Shea Brissett hitting a three in the corner. And that was kind of it. And... You know, that's unfortunate, but it's also something to be expected, I think, when you're dealing with as many injuries as the Raptors are dealing with. And I don't think this loss is some sort of, like, reason to be mad or panic or anything like that. It's kind of an understandable loss against a desperate team in Portland that has a lot of offensive firepower. And the Raptors defended very well, obviously. They held them to 101 points. They held them to uh, something not very good. There's 37% from the field. Like, they did a good job defensively in this one. It's just the margin of error is so thin with the guys they have on hand, especially with Fred out where there's just no other ball handler to help Lowry and take that pressure off and have another outlet to create things that, you know, it was always going to come down to those hustle plays that you mentioned. And they just ran out of them late in the game after having them for 45 minutes of extremely fun, inspiring run through a wall ass basketball and they lost the game. That's this shit happens when you're down most of your good players. And so, you know, yeah, I guess people are exactly. past like moral victories and whatnot. But I, it's hard to be upset about this loss for me, despite the things at the end of the game that maybe they could have done better. Ultimately, I think they got screwed over by their offense kind of falling apart because the Blazers finally changed how they were defending them and defended them how you should defend these Raptors right now. Uh, If you're not running a zone, you should be sending two Kyle's way and just daring the rest of the guys to to beat you because it's really just a team right now of Kyle with a bunch of guys with boxing gloves for hands who are somehow scraping by, but there's no touch, there's no three-point shooting really around him. And, you know, the, the Blazers finally got wise to that just in time for their offensive firepower to save them. So kudos to them for that, I guess. Uh, you know, Ultimately, the thing Raptors fans should come away from this game from thinking is, uh, I'm glad Hassan Whiteside is not on my team more than anything else. Uh, <laughs> and oh. If you're looking for solace, you can always find that. Because, yes, he had uh, 14, 16, and 7 blocks in this game. But good God, that dude is a joyless oh wretch of a basketball player. Holy shit. My, like, half of my notes are, wow, Whiteside is, is ass. And, like, he almost cost him the game late with that insane jump on the pump fake from Ibaka uh, when Ibaka made it 99-94 for the last bucket of the game for Toronto. And, you know, Whiteside throughout the entire game was just getting killed by that Lowry-Ibaka pick and roll. 
And the, the Blazers, for some reason, couldn't figure out why they were getting killed by it. They eventually, at one point, put Whiteside on Patrick McCaw because they didn't want him dealing with it and thought Carmelo Anthony was a better guy to throw into the pick-and-roll coverage, which is an indictment on its own. Um, I don't know. How, how much fun did you have watching Hassan Whiteside in this game, just as a point-and-laugh type of uh, experience? Because, man, that was that was a blast if, yeah. you're, if you're looking for something to laugh at. Oh my God! Yeah, I look at you know, like I said, I just fixate him on him for possessions at a time, and it's just like watching him jog from free throw line to free throw line, uh, put a hand just above his waist when there's a when he has to jump out to a shooter and not move his feet at all. Uh, his screens off ball are hilarious. Like there's there's a bunch of Blazer sets where he's supposed to set elevator screens, and he doesn't move at all, and he doesn't even make contact whatsoever. And so ironic that the one screen he does set is completely illegal at the end of the game. Um, yeah, I cannot believe that... Uh, well, I can believe it. I mean, the, they got destroyed by the Warriors last year. But uh, they had something good with just a bunch of guys who were kind of small forward-ish who couldn't really shoot but could make plays, kind of like the Raptors look right now. And they gave that up for Hassan White's side. And, uh, <laughs> boy, that was stupid. Yeah. It's it's weird, I guess, of us to be dancing on the the Blazers' graves for having Hassan Whiteside on their team after a loss, but and after he had like two last minute blocks, but that doesn't really save it to me. I, like they won this game because Dame Lillard's fucking awesome, and because Carmelo Anthony hit some big ball shots, and it kind of in spite of Hassan Whiteside, who I, I mean, I guess credit to him, he set that moving screen that everyone got very mad about. I just I'm so over getting mad about officiating. Like the Raptors get their fair share of like dumb calls that go their way I, I i yeah it was probably moving screen on white side getting hung up on it feels like a waste of time to me they did not have to turn it over on the next possession with patrick mccaw they it was still like the game was still in their own hands at that point they still pissed it away even after that call so i, I don't have a problem with that this was a lot of dame a lot of mellow and uh, a lot of the raptors just kind of losing their way offensively which is kind of to be expected based on where they're at the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, elsewhere in this game, John, there were some fun things that happened, as we mentioned, for the first 45 minutes that were uh, worth noting. I guess the main thing is that bizarro bench lineup that for some reason was really good for at least the first stint that they had. Not so much in the in the fourth quarter, although Chris Boucher kind of saved their ass offensively. But the Boucher, Brissett, McCaw, Thomas, and Johnson lineup, which... When I saw it, I got a little bit of, like, indigestion and really was hard-pressed to think of a lineup with less offensive talent that I've ever seen in my entire life watching basketball. But <laughs> for some reason, it worked, and they went on, like, an 8-0 run immediately. Their defense was insane. The Brissette boucher front court, the energy was just infectious. Uh, I, I'm guessing we're not going to see a ton of this once guys start getting back into the lineup at some point here, but... Uh, how did that work? <laughs> like, what were your takeaways from that lineup uh, blitzing the Blazers, at least for a little bit? 
Yeah, I mean, it was really fun to watch. I I feel like a Jimmy Butler fan when I say that, you know, like hustle just wins a lot of battles <laughs> in the NBA. And uh, it's so weird to see O'Shea Brissett play better with the Raptors than he plays with the 905. But I almost think that's because he's playing he's playing well against because he played well against the Celtics bench and he played well against the Blazers kind of in between lineup tonight. And I think it's just because he's played really, really hard against NBA guys who are in the doldrums of the season right now. Like you don't think of this as the dog days of the season, but it basically is. I mean, we still got four, five weeks to go till the all-star break. The Blazers are obviously banged up uh, almost to the degree that the Raptors are. And I think just with that bench lineup, you saw that when the Raptors play their asses off and when those bench guys play really, really hard, that they can just sneak up on teams and go on a 12-0 run or whatever it is and jump out and get a lead. And I think, like, that's what I said earlier. Like, I think that they the, the point of emphasis for this team just has to be to hold leads at whatever cost with, with all their offensive weapons out of the lineup because I just don't think you have the talent the basketball talent of the nba know how to execute when the game gets close towards the end of the game when all the eyes are going to be on kyle lowry so yeah it's really good to see the bench play well like that and it's fun but uh it is just a product of hustle and the raptors organization and draft picks and yada 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 all, mm-hmm. all that good stuff that the raptors do and uh, they can sneak up on teams and it's just these all these guys like you said with boxes for hands and just find a way to get the basketball and put it in the net after four or five tries. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was not something I'd expect to have its success replicated very often. Uh, But it was really valuable in this game in particular with, you know, we talked about Kyle playing 38 minutes. They actually, I think they took Kyle out with like three and a half minutes or so left in the first quarter. And typically he would just come back in at the start of the second, but that lineup was rolling so well that Nurse let them go out there for like two or three more minutes after that, which like those are valuable minutes to save for Kyle. Like every minute counts at this point uh, when your margin of error is this thin and he's playing so many goddamn minutes. So that was really valuable, and and they're going to have to have more stretches like that, whether it's from that lineup or other versions of the bench lineup at some point when Fred gets back or when Norm gets back or whenever the hell they get some bodies back here. Um, Like that's the kind of stuff that, over the long term, if you can get those little five-minute spurts in games, and maybe Nurse ran with it too long in the fourth quarter, but you know the if you can get those little spurts, that that's going to save your point guard's ass uh, down the line and be very valuable. So very cool to see O'Shea Brissett, man. Like I, I didn't have terribly high hopes for O'Shea Brissett coming into the season. His defense was very nice in the preseason. He seemed pretty raw offensively. He's shooting like. I want to say like 14% from three in the G League so far this year. He hasn't really shown much uh, offensively. He's been awful. But, I mean, like, what was it about him tonight? that Like, he popped in a very real way. I didn't really love the idea of him, like, spacing to the corners and taking threes on back-to-back possessions, even though he hit one in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, he made it work. I don't know. You watch 905 a little bit more than I do, I think, considering... Um, you, you do our coverage for the, for the site, at least I think you do. I don't know. I'm not in the loop, but, uh, <laughs> like what yes. the hell, like, why is Brissett a rotation player? Is it just Raptors magic? Is he doing something differently than he has been at the G league level or, or earlier in the year? Um, because like the last little while here, he's, he's looked legit. Well, Sean, I mean, first the, the reason is he's because he's a better player than Hassan Whiteside. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, Brissett is uh, just playing well, I think, at the NBA level because, like I said, at the G League, it is just a lot of guys who look like him and have the same skills as him. It's a lot of raw athletic talent, guys who can jump out of the gym, uh, guys who aren't necessarily as talented at the skill playing. But uh, at in certain matchups, like we've seen against you know apathetic players on the other side of the ball, which obviously the Blazers' front court is one of the worst defensively in the league, um, he can have a role to play. And uh, when he's getting on the offensive glass, he tips a lot of balls. He keeps things alive. He is active. He if he's on the perimeter, he comes in and plays the ball. Uh, similar how Rondé Hollis Jefferson just always seems to be around the ball. I think Brissett plays that similar type of role. Uh, and if he can make a couple threes, that's really gravy. Like, that is not something he's showing in the 905 very much. He plays a similar role with the 905 coming off the bench in games where uh, he's able to play his, that role. Uh, but, yeah, that, that is just gravy to what he provides because, really, he just should be a guy who kind of kept, uh, sneaks up on the opposition, jumps out of the gym, provides those kind of athletic-type plays. Extreme Reggie Evans vibes from him. Uh, like just not much touch at all, but the the energy is infectious. And like, oh, his hands are his hands are probably the worst on the team. I, <laughs> I don't know, dude. Stanley Johnson tonight. I, I, there was like this uh, prevailing thought tonight among some people that Stanley Johnson had a good game. Uh, he was one of seven. He had one assist. Or sorry, he had two assists. Sorry, I, I, I misspoke. He had a turnover, uh, or no, he didn't have a turnover. Never mind, I'm misspeaking. I'm slandering him, him recklessly here. But like, any time well, he touches he has, the ball, he says he did have a turnover. Okay, well, any time he touched the ball, it was. Oh yeah, I'm reading my box score wrong here. Uh, any time he touches the ball, it's a nightmare. Like he, he stepped out of bounds, uh, like just because like Mello looked at him weird on the, at one point. He had a couple drives where he just like drove in and was like, all right, Hassan, please block me now. Uh, like, it's, he's not good, but, like, the so, I don't know how I got into the stand. Oh, the hands thing. So he might have worse the hands than, than Brissett, but um, Brissett had, uh, you know, he, he he did the thing tonight. So good on him. I don't think we're, we can expect him to hit two or four threes very often, but uh, you'll take it, I suppose, uh, when he's going to do it. And it was vital tonight for them to stay in the game late. And, I mean, I was more impressed by his defense. His, he had a couple of possessions where he just completely shut down McCollum in space, which is not easy to do, obviously. And that, if you're looking at sort of his long-term outlook as an NBA player, the fact that he can be that good defensively and offer that kind of floor for what he can do out there, I mean, that is really encouraging. If he can add a three-point shot, even a little bit of one, that then that's a rotation player. And that's another ridiculous find by the Raptors. So good on them for that. And good on Brissett, and I was glad to see him get out there. And him and Boucher were just a delight to watch tonight. And it's a shame it didn't end up in a, in a win, but uh, th- that was there's more to be gleaned from these games than just a result. And the, the Brissett minutes were especially one of the things that enriched my Tuesday night uh, in a very nice way. Um, any other parting shots on this game at all? Uh, I mean, Fred VanVleet, it seems very unclear as to what his future is going to be with the hamstring injury. It could be a long-term thing, could be a not long-term thing. It's been kind of fluid, it seems. Pascal Siakam and Marcus Saul were both working out tonight. Both apparently looked pretty sharp, so that's good to see. Norm Powell was upgraded to Doubtful, which is very good. Uh, are you just... Uh, Praying that they there are no more injuries before those guys start getting back at this point. I mean, obviously, but like, 
I just want to see this team together because there have been enough spurts and enough signs that this team can be freaking awesome with everybody healthy or even with like 80% health. I just want to see it, dude. Yeah, I mean, that's literally it. I just want Lowry to survive this next game, basically, because they have like the five days between the next uh, three games, I think, five days of rest between the next three games. Uh, which is obviously going to be valuable for getting some guys back, maybe getting a practice in after the Spurs game to get some more evaluation of where guys are at. Um, but yeah, it's just getting all these bodies back and seeing what it looks like. And it sounds like that might be able to happen before the All-Star break. Gasol, I think, is the big question mark, although him being on court uh, obviously bodes pretty well. But uh, that's really where it is. I think that this team is just going to kind of grift its way through games until... You know, they can get some bodies back. And if Powell is the first one, we're going to see something similar to what we saw tonight. Because really, even in that scenario, Lowry is still the only person on the team who can create a shot in a sustainable way. So Mm -hmm. um, it's really important that the other three guys get back as soon as possible. Because otherwise, uh, you know, it's not going to be entirely pleasant to watch until then. Although a lot of this game was fun up until, you know, the last five minutes or so when the Raptors kind of got exposed for what they are right now. Yeah, I mean, their defensive floor is high enough that they're always going to be in games, and it's always going to be exciting because it's just a bunch of erratic weirdos out there just flying around like maniacs, and that's fun. Uh, Maybe the results are never going to be what you want if that's your identity as a team, but uh, the, the product is still enjoyable, so that's cool. If they get Norm back soon, I mean, you would figure that in a situation like they just had at the end of that game there, uh, against the Blazers, that maybe that would be Norm in place of McCaw, and, you know, that comes with its own set of risks, because, you know, Norm is by no means steady all the time, but, you know, that, that'll be extra options, and, I mean, Norm's scoring punch, I think, is, like, sorely missed right now. If you can find anything close to the form he was in before he went down, it's going to be a, a substantial boon to what they can do in the half court, and what they can do on the run, and what their three-point shooting is going to look like, so... Get well soon, Norm. Hopefully uh, he's in the lineup maybe tomorrow against the the Hornets or if not on Sunday against the Spurs. And the other thing, too, is that they have a nice bit of a, a chill schedule here. They play the Hornets in Charlotte, and then they're off till Sunday, and then they play like Wednesday or Thursday next week. So a uh, bit of a reprieve here where hopefully they can get a little bit rested up. John, I'll let you get rested up now, too. We can wrap this thing up here. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, man. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, be on game coverage tomorrow night as the Raptors take on the Hornets. I know everyone's uh, got that circled on the calendar, uh, so <laughs> I'll be doing that on Raptors HQ. Uh, 905 Report, running back every week. That's Thursdays on the site, and uh, sporadic appearances on this podcast. Yeah, uh, also your Instagram for food, uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Very much appreciated when you take the time to uh, do those little things on the platforms you use to help us go up in the rankings and all that good stuff. So thanks in advance for doing that. And uh, that's going to do it. I'll be back again probably tomorrow night, same time after the Hornets game. So keep an eye out for that one. And uh, we'll continue on the week. Katie Heindel is going to join us on Friday, I think. We'll have some fun there. Uh, And we'll do something else on Thursday, too. So keep an eye out. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.